Hello, welcome to another finger. This is a podcast about becoming more mindful in our daily activities. As always, I recommend beginning a daily formal meditation, sitting on a cushion in the posture that's been tradition for thousands of years. There is a reason this posture has stood the test of time. Try it out. If you'd like a guided meditation, listen to my episode titled Meditation, Mindfulness of Breathing. If you are unable to squeeze one of these into your day, don't worry. You have all day to pause and take a few deep, deliberate breaths and to momentarily let everything go. You also have all of your waking moments to be mindful of your every action. We can empower ourselves in this way as we become less overrun by impulse and distraction. This podcast's aim is to point out small ways to integrate mindfulness into your daily life. It takes a lot of practice. That's why the cushion can be so helpful. Give it a try. And thank you for listening. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, you may want to now. This is a loose part two. She is here. What you just heard were her first cries just as she was being cleared by the emergency pediatric team which was on standby due to the nature of her delivery. You can hear a woman at the end turn to me and ask, does she have a name? At this point I stopped the recording, throat full of emotion, and I couldn't even speak. I just cried with relief, with enjoyment, with amazement, completely in awe from what I had just witnessed. Truly the most incredible experience of my life. On June 1st, 2023, at 2.51 p.m., without major complication, Jay gave birth to our first child. I had always known Jay was strong and resilient, but my level of respect for her has reached superheroic levels after what I witnessed. She also did an amazing job creating a perfect little human. I am so grateful to her for blessing me with a beautiful, healthy, and happy daughter. My heart melts every time I think about it, and I thank her daily. While she missed being born on the Buddha's birthday, May 26th, June 1st feels right. She deserves her own day anyway. She was born at exactly 41 weeks, seven days past due, which... I've learned is quite common for firstborn children. 
It's wild to think that she's already been with us for nearly three weeks. I've had some time to get relatively acclimated to our new life or lives together. I've also had time to reflect a bit on becoming a parent, and I've gained some elementary insights along the way. I'll do my best to make sense of some of these scattered thoughts and try to use a mindful lens to connect some of the dots. A neighbor of mine, sometime after meeting our baby, texted me and said, You are so lucky. She looks just like Jay. And I responded without thinking that I had hit the lottery twice. Then I began to think on that for a little while. What role had luck played in my current situation? The degree to which luck plays in our lives is pretty incredible and undeniable. All throughout this pregnancy, I've been wondering about this baby in utero. How big would she be? What would be the color of her hair? Would she even have hair? What about her eyes? What color would they be? Would they work properly? What would her temperament be? Would she look more like Jay or more like me? Would she be athletic, artistic, or musically inclined? Some of these questions will not be answered for some time, maybe years, but it clearly illustrates the level of luck involved in this process. Consider this. Per conceptual attempt, only one sperm out of an estimated 250 million will make a successful journey into an ovum to fertilize it to simply begin the process of creating a single child. It is estimated that by the time puberty arrives, a young woman has approximately 400,000 immature eggs or follicles remaining in her body. Of those 400,000 eggs, only 400 have the potential to become viable eggs or ovum ready for fertilization. All of this is to say that when the time arises for a couple to have children, the initial act is one of pulling the lever on a slot machine, except that we have nature generally trying to help the process unlike a casino. As we pull that lever in an attempt to create life, only one of the one to two million eggs the woman was born with will be viable at the time of conception. And only one of 250 million sperm will be joined with that egg, assuming the fertilization is for a single child. Sperm and egg, each contributing a unique set of 23 chromosomes, which will eventually determine much of the child's makeup. And this is just the beginning. There are innumerable times throughout the gestational period when things can go haywire. The organism quickly takes on a life or mind of its own, driven by some innate force, making choices along the way. Sometimes dominant genes give way to recessive ones. Sometimes organs don't properly develop in a way that's suitable for the outside world. It's just a wild process, if I may use that term. If we look at it this way, we can see that each of us is completely unique. There has never been another person on earth exactly like us, and there never will be another. How about that? We completely lucked into the one-of-a-kind person we are today. We are wired by chance to act the way we do, respond the way we do, and see things the way we do. I've talked about this a bit in a previous episode, and I'll briefly mention it again here. Not only will our genetic makeup determine much of who we are, 
exposure to our physical world will also shape or slightly reconfigure our wiring. This exposure can open our minds to greater possibilities. As parents, we do, on one hand, get what we get with our children. Yet I believe we have the ability to edit that code somewhat simply by exposing our children to different people, ideas, places, or cultures. We already know that our choices and our actions have consequences. This child didn't just happen. Yes, from the beginning it will seem to develop all on its own. Yet all of this begins with deliberate action and is aided or hindered by the actions of the birthing mother throughout pregnancy. Stress level, activity level, and diet, just to name a few factors, all contribute to the development of this child in the womb. And that continues once the child has been born. While luck certainly plays a large part in the early development of a child, so do our decisions in raising that child. Slowly along the way, we relinquish control of the child's environment, influences, food choices, etc. And the best case scenario is that they've been taught well enough to make wise decisions and to learn from the times when they choose not so wisely. At some point in my life, I held the cynical opinion that the planet was overpopulated, that the world had become sort of a shit place, and that it would soon end simply due to our ignorance, stupidity, and selfishness. I didn't want to be responsible for bringing a life into a setting such as this, and I'm glad that I didn't. Had I brought a child into the world at that time, that child would have been brought into my opinion of the world by default. I believe that my negative energy would have been transferred into that human being whether I intended to do so or not. As social creatures, we are all pretty good at picking up on the energy of those around us. I believe kids are especially vulnerable to being overcome by this energy. At some point as we get older, we seem to develop the ability to deflect and we absorb less of the energy we feel is unhelpful or straight up harmful. While I am still worried about the above list of what I consider problems facing the world, I no longer believe this is a fair or accurate assessment of the world. It is simply the other side of all its wonder and beauty. It is the death which accompanies and enhances all of life. Life would cease to be so precious without death knocking on its door. Likewise, the beauty of the world, nature, people, animals, ideas, etc., would all be imperceptible without the darkness. All things are held in a state of balance. Picture in front of you the Chinese symbol of yin-yang, equal parts black and white, which chase one another in a circle infinitely. They coexist. They are intertwined. Not a single thing is exempt from this. There is a dark side to everything light, which is commonly and probably most easily seen and accepted, but there is also a light side to everything dark. There is always a positive with a negative. We see it in electricity. We see it in the breath, the inflow and outflow as the heart pumps blood throughout our bodies. These energies exist in every single atom with electrons and protons. These atoms make up the entire existence of everything. Nothing is exempt. So why should we be surprised when this manifests throughout our lives?
every event in my life, which I labeled as negative at the time, has, with proper distance and perspective, carried with it benefits, which I could not have imagined or could not see. For instance, I lost my mother when I was 10 years old. This was awful in many aspects. I was without direct maternal influence for many years during a crucial time in my life. I viewed this as a negative for many, many years. However, when I look at that experience now, I can see what it taught me. I can see the direct link from that event to my current state of happiness. Had that event not taken place, I would not have met my best friends, I would not have found my current career, and I would not have met my partner, fiancé, Jay, and her wonderful family. And I would not have welcomed this child into the world. Now, I'm not saying that I'm better off for this having happened when I was a boy, but I am saying that many positive things came about because of it. Now, these positives have certainly brought potential negatives. Most obvious, there is now a possibility to lose all of these things. Let me refrain that. In time, I will certainly lose all of these things. This is the nature of everything that manifests. In time, everything that is created will eventually be destroyed. Knowing this makes me appreciate everything much more. Knowing that death will come gives life an unpredictable sweetness. But it is not just our lives that will come to an end. So will all of the people we know, opinions we hold dear, riches we attain, moments we cherish, and relationships we cultivate. This is not morbid or pessimistic. It is truth. This is a simple reminder to live this moment, no matter what is in front of you, because it will change, for better or worse. It is also a reminder not to take things too seriously. In the big zoomed-out view, our entire existence is but a speck in time. There is infinite time behind us and infinite time ahead of us. Enjoy what you have while you have it. Be grateful for everything you have, even if you currently wish it were otherwise. If you look closely, you will see the other side of it. Even if it's merely the knowledge and appreciation that you are alive and able to feel and know and discern at all. One other thing that has become clear to me is that my decision to bring somebody into this world is to expose them to all of its beauty and wonder, the things that have made my life worth living. I had initially been so focused on the dark side and hadn't wanted to bring someone into that, but I also failed to see all of the light that I'd also be denying this potential human being not to mention denying Jay and myself a vital human experience. I've begun to realize much of what I love in this world was made or created by other human beings and enjoyed with other human beings, which is, in a sense, an appreciation of nature itself. For we are a natural creation, and what comes from us is a product of nature. I realize that one way to counter the stupidity, ignorance, and selfishness of the world is to perpetuate life and deliberately attempt to raise a wise, thoughtful, kind, and compassionate human being. I believe that nature tends towards progress. This is not the case in every situation, of course, but on the whole I believe it's true. 
So if Jay and I have brought a person into this world and she turns out to be a better version of both of us, however so slight, we have made our tiny part of the world just a tiny bit better. But for ourselves, and I didn't see this coming to the degree to which it has, this decision not only made our world a tiny bit better, it has rewritten my concepts of love and happiness. I am experiencing levels of both which I didn't know were possible. I have certainly heard people talk about this and thought that I understood, but I didn't. I now have a greater reason to live well and to be present and loving and kind and patient. To a small degree, I get a view of the world through an unfiltered lens. I attempt to see things as she does. I have reconsidered how I should live based on how I feel she should be raised. It's quite an interesting shift. I have to figure out how to live as an example for this little one because that is generally the greatest teacher, a good example. I'm sure I will, at times, be a perfect example of how not to live or a perfect example of what not to do, but I hope for the wisdom to see my follies immediately and correct them as soon as possible. Like the old adage goes, If you want to see a change in the world, you must start within yourself. One must become the change one wishes to see. Your world is solely yours. If you don't like the way you see it, change what you can, accept what you can't. Pay attention to something else, or pay attention in a different way. Since having this baby, she is almost everything I pay attention to. She is so pure and untouched by the world that my general mindset and outlook has been colored by it. I haven't paid attention to the news, and guess what? The world keeps moving whether I pay attention or not. I'm no longer emotionally jerked around by events which I cannot control. In fact, I don't even remember the last story which I allowed to rile me up and tarnish my day. That stuff just doesn't matter. It's hardly more than entertainment. It comes and goes just like the food we eat. You can hardly remember what you ate last week, but if you chose poorly, your body will remember, like your mind, and it will slowly accumulate those poor choices in the form of ill health, packed on calories, and clogged arteries. Just like you hardly remember all the juicy news stories you fed on, which made you angry and ruined your day, perhaps provided you with some momentary indignant nourishment and pleasure. Yet day after day of this feeding, your mind is colored by this and anger becomes your default state. What you consume matters, be it physical or mental. They affect one another. A troubled mind will lead to poor health, and poor health will lead to a troubled mind. All of this is to say that there is plenty of goodness, love, beauty, and wonder to occupy our minds, and we have the power to not only choose where we direct our attention, but we are the ones responsible for interpreting that information. I am reminded of a quote from Hamlet by Shakespeare, which says, There is nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. The modern news headline is constructed in a way to tell you how to think about whatever is written about. Liberate yourself from this. Go find a baby and watch them sleep. Feel their warmth as you hold them. See them as the pure yet sometimes difficult beings that they are, and remember that that baby is you. 
It is all of humanity, sometimes acting erratically, sometimes inconsolable and belligerent, yet worthy of love through all of this. In fact, because of this, this is what makes us human. Why should we expect anything different? People make mistakes. People lack knowledge. People are imperfect. Give them and yourself a moment of compassion and understanding when mistakes arise. Withhold judgment. The baby still needs to be held and consoled even if you don't understand why she's crying. Perhaps more so in these moments. She may just need to feel the love and support of another human being. Anyways, I will end by saying this. Our decision to bring a person into this world was not an easy one, nor was it one we took lightly, but it has been the best decision of my life. If I accomplish nothing more of any significance in my life, I will die fulfilled. There seemed to be a desire in me to do this all along no doubt a result of evolutionary biology. This drive is most likely embedded in all of us, but I mistook this feeling for something else. It was a hole ever so slight, a nagging emptiness, which I thought would be filled by some missing piece of wisdom, or music, or food, or ritual, or way of life, or religion, some vacation, or experience, some drug, or hobby, or diet, or exercise, some cause, or education, or activism, money, or success, but no. The moment this child was born, I felt complete for the first time in my life. Words fail me here, as I am unable to describe this overwhelming feeling and understanding with mere scribbles on paper. My biological objective has been completed. Now my moral and ethical duty has been unwittingly turbocharged. I feel grounded as I never have before. I feel alive as I never have before. Am I lucky? Hell yes, I am. But I can also see that I have arrived in this moment in part due to the decisions I've made, the actions I've taken, We are each given a piece of clay as we enter this world. It may be hard or soft, easy to work with or not, big or small. So, what are we going to do with it? I often use the story of losing my mother at a young age as a defining point in my life, and it was, but so was my response to it. So is every single decision I have made. Our decisions make us. What we choose to eat shapes our bodies. What we choose to pay attention to shapes our minds. I am made of not only my decisions, but the decisions of everyone else in my world. How I choose to interpret and interact with the choices others make define me just as well. There is luck, simply the rarity of being born as you are, a completely unique person, and there is action. What will you decide to build with what you have been given to work with? We can make our own luck if we choose wisely. And that's it. Some of the crazy thoughts that have been bouncing around in my head over the last few weeks. Anyways, thank you very much for listening. I truly appreciate it. Please feel free to reach out if you have any 
advice for me as a new parent, you may email the podcast, which goes directly to me. The email address is support at anotherfinger.com. And feel free to engage me in any of this through that email. Or if you have my phone number, you can just text me. Or if you see me, we can just talk about it. Anyways, thanks again. Until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.